Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Last week, we talked about the offense, giving that side of the ball a preview. And this week, it will be the defense as spring practice kicks off. Help me break it all down. Just like last week, Will Miles, co-host right here on Gators Breakdown. Find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC. And once again, Nick Newsom joins us to go over this side of the ball as well. You can find both these guys at ReadAndReaction.com and on Read Reaction YouTube. Guys, spring practice kicked off today. I'll do a separate episode about that uh, later on uh, tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, trying to get through uh, the roster one more time. Good conversation last week with the offense. We'll Go around to the other side of the ball uh, for defense, but a lot, lot to look forward to. We finally, finally have some football. Yeah, man, it's exciting. It, it, to be honest, this offseason's felt pretty short because of all the stuff <laughs> that's been going really on, and you know all, all the different things. We're gonna be the we're gonna be the spring game before we know it, and then we're gonna be the to to fall camp before we know it. It's it's nice, right? I mean, last year felt like a slog from the Cotton Bowl until with no with no access to spring, no spring game, and then waiting until uh, kickoff in September. So this year we got some milestones along the way. So it feels like it's gone pretty fast, but. Uh, you know, never a dull moment in Gator Nation, but this week we've at least been able to take a little bit of a respite because the the uh, non dull moments are all another sport, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's that's right. Uh, I'm sure you guys will get into it on uh, on read reaction and and you know stand up and holler on all that. Uh, Gators breakdown plus the plus side of it. You know, we'll get into a little bit of basketball on that side of it too. You know, this is uh, pure football, but man, yeah, this uh, we are not short for content in, in Gator Nation right now. <laughs> Uh, always fun, buddy. Always fun. It is. It is. It is. So, uh, Nick, uh, do, do you, you haven't picked out the uh, the four the four topics this week for uh, stand up and holler? Yeah, yeah, we are going to open up. Will wrote that uh, nice article on uh, Mike White, and uh, we'll, so we will start off with that. But 
the important topic, the most important topic I'm looking forward to breaking down is Will actually bust out a guitar and, and saying, don't back down on last week's episode of Stand Up and Holler. So if you haven't seen that yet, be sure to go over and check that out. That, w- that was in the dollar section. Um, I, I'm begrudgingly giving respect. I mean, he took guts to do it, so I give him respect for it. I was hoping that it would be an opportunity to make fun of him a little more, but he actually did a pretty good job. Dave, did you get a chance to see it? No, no. Check not. that out. Okay. Highly recommend. If you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, so, okay. so uh, Nick's really going to be reading comments time. like Nick's going to be reading comments like mean tweets to <laughs> on stand up at all tomorrow. So, uh, you, you still have time to go over there and take your shot at me, Dave. All right, I will. I will. Been really, <laughs> been really busy with the work. Got family in town this week because my daughter's on spring break. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm behind on everything. Uh, so, you know, it's. Uh, what a great week for spring practice to start, by the way, on my daughter's <laughs> spring break. So, it's, uh, well, the, this okay. just allows you to sort of get, you know, infiltrate her with Gator stuff, right? She's off school. Yeah, yeah. Just take her down to Gainesville, man. Like, go, <laughs> go, uh, tour around campus, get her ready for where she's going to go to school in what, nine years? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> get her in green. She, hey, she's taking over this whenever I decide to call it quits. So, <laughs> I got to, I got to get her there started somewhere along the way. All right, yeah, there we go. Like I said, last week offense, we'll do defense this week. Later on, later, later this week on Gators Breakdown. Uh, tomorrow, we'll, next bit episode, we'll all go into Billy Napier's press conference for spring just uh, in the short 15-minute window uh, that uh, the media got for viewing spring practice. Um, you know, just n- little bits and nuggets, news and notes uh, there. But, all right, guys, let's get up. Let's start up front and look. Start up right up front in the trenches. We talk about how you know how big the trenches are uh, for you know Florida and you know Will's harped on uh, this back uh, a few years ago about you know this defensive tackle and, and how important it has to be in SEC football. We know that uh, there Florida really struggled there last year. Had to go get some transfers uh, there. So look, I put it out on news for Jacks. Uh, you know top position battles uh, for me. And look, this defensive tackle. Besides Gervin Dexter, what else is there as far as look? I'm not saying there's nobody there. We really just do not know. Uh, as I said, Florida really had to hit the transfer portal last year to get Valentino uh, there, to get Newkirk and Truesdale, those guys. And, you know, somewhat you know, so-so results. You know, Florida needed them at least for body count uh, at, at the position. Gervin Dexter's played since he was a true freshman. This is a huge question of who – is going to play behind him? Who's going to give him some depth? Who's going to line up beside him <laughs> to, to be a difference maker on this defensive line for this Florida, you know, especially right there in the middle at defensive tackle? Uh, so, you know, of course, Jervon Dexter leads the way, but names like Jalen Humphreys, Jalen Lee, Lamar Good. So these guys, you know, four-star recruits, we haven't heard really all that much from yet. Desmond Watson, who was a true freshman last year, wowed in spring uh, route in high school camps about his size and athlete, his athleticism for his size, is probably the biggest name, but even bigger than Humphreys Lee and Good, just because of what he was able to do in high school camps and the videos that we saw, and then him being on the field last year in spring practice and getting on the field uh, as well. But guys, I put uh, I put a star behind beside him and other all the early enrollees. Florida's three early enrollees for this class were all on the defensive side of the ball. We're starting up front just because of us not being able to really see and hear much from Humphreys, Lee, and Goods. Perhaps an early enrollee like Chris Chris McClellan can go in and make an immediate impact to get on the field as an early enrollee. 
Yeah, I mean, so obviously Gravon Dexter is where you start, right? I mean, that, that's the place where you say, okay, this is a guy who has a lot of experience. As long as he can stay healthy, he's got the pedigree. I think he's going to be okay. The question is, who's going to be beside him? And there's there's a pretty decent selection of guys there that you can think of who might, but nobody who jumps out. And you, you mentioned the 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 transfers. I mean, you know, I'm thinking back to what was it, 2018, when Tadarrell Slayton and Elijah Conliffe were supposed to be the guys who took over defensive tackle. They lasted for two games before Adam. Schuler and Kyrie Campbell were in on the road against Tennessee and pretty much from then on it's been transfers and stop gaps and you know trying to put duct tape over the over the hole in the dam ever since and they're finally not doing that this year at least not yet right now maybe they do after spring practice once they when they see what they have and have to go out and get some people but the, this is not you know these are homegrown people now we'll see whether the, these guys end up being able to grow into anything more than just depth but you know mcclellan i think is the guy we all look at he's somebody who committed to florida before he even knew who the coach was um <laughs> in fact I, I was on stage at the quarterback club uh nick was there with me and uh, pat dooley asked me how'd somebody commit without a coach being there I'm like, well, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess being without a coach is better than having a head coach when it comes to some of the recruiting we've had at Florida. But I guess my point is he's wanted to be a Gator for a really long time, right? You're not, you're not committing when there's no coach. I mean, you've got some promises about who might come in, but you're not committing. You're not all into a program like that, unless that's where you want to be. And so the early enrollee um, is going to help him get playing time. And to be honest, I think the coaching transition is going to help too, because there's no preconceived notions about anybody on the field. And there's really not any tape to speak of, to look at these guys specifically, except for Dexter. And so it's going to be what they put on the practice field. And so that's why I think McClellan probably has a, a shot to step up. The problem is defensive tackle is not a place where you typically see true freshmen in the SEC be outstanding. If you're putting true freshman there at defensive tackle it usually means you're going to have some issues and with some of the issues florida had against the run last year that that would be i think it would be a bad sign if mcclellan is starting at least day one i think it would be a good sign if he's working his way in there you know fifth sixth game of the year but uh you know if, if he's starting right away i think that might be an issue yeah nick i mean as i said you know go, going and looking at it it's just I like, like I said, you, you look at it and you look at the recruiting profiles of these guys. These guys were four stars, you know. Mm-hmm. And if, if you go and, and look at the names there, and I'll bring them up one more time, but you, you have Jalen Lee, Jalen Humphreys, Lamar Gibson. Those were guys that have a recruiting profile. It just taken – and look, it's the defensive tackle in the SEC, Look, as Will's kind of saying, it's not easy to come in and play right away. And those guys have dealt with some injuries. They've dealt with their own issues uh, as well. That does play into this of why they didn't get on the field earlier in their career. I mean, look, Jervon Dexter is a five-star. I mean, of course, if anybody's going to you know play as a young guy – and look, and he was kind of forced in that role in 2020 as well because of Kyrie Campbell. We didn't know his status going into that season as well. He was kind of forced maybe – thrown out there before he even needed to be. But, of course, you know, if you want somebody thrown out there, it's going to be a, a five-star a guy who, you know, has their recruiting profile. These guys have good recruiting profiles as well, just have not been able to be on the field as much. Yeah, I, I and Dave, you're a Jacksonville guy, so you can relate. You know, I've been watching the Jacksonville Jaguars throw a lot of <laughs> money around in free agency the last couple of days. And I was talking about it this morning with a buddy of mine, and every conversation centered around – well, if this guy can reach his potential and this guy can reach his potential yeah. and that guy can reach his potential. And when you get into too many of those conversations, it's probably not going to happen. So it gets a little worrisome. And that's what I worry about in terms of the depth. You got the depth. You guys talked about Dexter. Obviously, the guy's got the total package 
the background, the size, the speed, the five-star prospect coming in. And you saw him step up nine tackles against Alabama last week or last year, including a sack and, and 51 tackles overall in the season last year. That's a monster number for that position. So he's active. He's involved. You saw him take over. I mean, in the, you even go back and look at the Gasparilla Bowl. He'll make his mistakes and maybe he'll be too aggressive in some spots, but he was just throwing guys around. So this guy is just that's your anchor of your defense right there. No questions asked. We still need it. He still can get to another gear, though. And that's what if if you're talking about Florida returning to the level that we all want to see, Dexter, we said this going into 2020 or 2021 as well. This guy's the key. This guy is absolutely the key to the defense. He could set the tone up front. Who else is going to help him up front there? You, you mentioned uh, McClellan coming in, having a shot potentially. Yeah, everyone's got a shot. Wide open competition. The guy I would love to see is big Desmond Watson. Love love seeing him in there. But I, I question whether or not his conditioning is going to uh, you know make him a little bit of a liability at times. So you might get him for spurts, but you might not get him – you know, you're not going to be able to count on him throughout the entire game like you would with Dexter. So you're going to have you, you need it from other directions, too. I think Jalen Lee is a good candidate to step up. And you'd obviously love to see uh, Goods and Humphreys, but Humphreys, especially dealing with injuries in the past, you, you got to think so. Can one of those three guys step up in addition to Watson to be, uh, you know, have that three man? rotation at the defensive tackle which is not very deep in the sec so to to say is a freshman going to get playing time yeah absolutely i think a lot i think everyone's going to get a shot here at this position yeah and good and good one mcclellan too for being that early enrollee at, at this position because of all the questions i mean he really could by the time we get out of spring or you know, going in the fall through some more conditioning as well he really could uh, assert himself into this rotation as well just because of you know the question i mean hopefully it's not questions hopefully i'm raising these the biggest question is just all right, well, there, there are bodies, just just who is it going to be? You know, hopefully you can rely on these. As I said, these guys have the recruiting profile. Maybe it doesn't matter who it is. It's just going to be, all right, whoever it lines up besides Jervon, whoever lines up behind Jervon to give him a breather or guys that we just will we'll be able to count on. Hopefully it's just not this huge, massive hole. And we're talking a year from now at spring practice, all right, who's going to step up at defensive tackle again? Hopefully just from this list, we're like, okay, now we know. Look, and these guys also, they may be playing for a starting role next year to take over for Jervon because if he has the year a lot of people are thinking, he's going after this year. This is his third year. I know it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he's been here that, that, that long, but, I mean, this is money NFL year for Jervon, so Florida has to really find some people starting this spring at really getting in at this defensive tackle spot. Yeah, well, I mean, that's sort of always the case, right? I mean, it's, it's a line of scrimmage league. You're going to have to bring in those guys repeatedly year after year after year. And that's one of the issues when you start looking back, right? I mean, you got Dante Zanders back in the uh, 2018 class. You got Lloyd Summerall, or I'm sorry, you've, you've got, uh, yeah, you got Dante Sanders. Then you got Jalen Humphreys from that 2019 class. And then you've got Goods, Dexter, and Lee from that 2020 class. You don't necessarily expect the Goods and Lee to be guys who would have stepped up before this year. You would have liked to have seen it, but those aren't guys you would have said, yeah, absolutely, those are guys who are going to contribute before this. But now the 2020 class is the one that needs to contribute in 2022. That's sort of the way it works. Is if you want, if you want to be good, then you need guys three classes ago to be the ones who sort of lead the way. 
So that's good news for Dexter, right? I mean, he's sort of coming into that prime year where you would expect him to succeed. And then Goods and Lee are the two that I look at specifically at defensive tackle and say these are the guys who are going to have to step up because these are the guys who, you know, are really coming into the prime of or what should be the prime of their careers at Florida. And those are the guys you're going to rely on. If you're relying on McClellan or Lyons or even in some respects, Thomas and Watson, I like Desmond Watson. I like what he brings. But if you're relying on him, I think that's a year early. And we're going to have that in certain cases just because of roster turnover and places where guys have transferred out and just because there were some limitations in recruiting. But, you know, if, if Florida's defensive line is going to improve significantly, it's going to be those three guys, Goods, Dexter, and Lee. Let, all logical, Will. I, I want it to be Watson, though. I just want I want it to be Watson. <laughs> I want him to be that second guy next to Dexter. That would be great if he could step up and he were ready. But you're right. You're right. Uh, all, all logical uh, there will, but if Watson were, were that second guy and you had that amount of mass to move up the middle, that's going to be tough for a lot of opponents. All right, everybody, I've been sharing them. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Also, leave those comments out there. Get them. Uh, if you're not watching live, leave the comments in the comment section. Always appreciate it right here on Gators Breakdown. So let's move forward right here. Defensive end, and I've kind of have broken this up to uh, if you're watching the YouTube version, you know, two columns here. Guys on the left, Britton Cox, Lloyd Summerall, Antoine Powell, more of that rush in buck slash outside linebacker, however you want to put that term out there. There you go. That's the three guys that fit that mold. And then the true maybe defensive ends, Dante Zanders, Princely, Human Meelan, Tyreek Sapp, Justice, Bo- Justice Boone. There, Britton Cox, of course, comes back, uh, you know, one of the, I think, huge spring for him. First of all, he's healthy, so going through a spring that's healthy now. Uh, he played injured all last season. But, look, he does – last year he did prove he could be a an effective pass rusher. Now it's time, last chance, last go-around to put it all together, become that well-rounded defensive end uh, buck hybrid there to set the edge in the run game, be more of a support in the run game. That's the next step. We need to see Brenton Cox on a more consistent level. But then also, you know, Chris Bogle transfers away. So now a big spring for Lloyd Summerall and Antoine Powell to step up and prove that they can be on the field with Cox or when Cox needs a breather, when he's not out on the field or become an effective pass rusher themselves. We saw some nice, I think, hits from Antoine Powell last year in little spurts there for him. So I think probably the lead candidate to maybe back up Brenton Cox uh, just a bit too. But, of course, I think uh, Prince of Human Meelan, another player, that, a young player that we're excited to see who probably should get some more playing time now. Another huge spring for him to prove that he can be out on the field. And younger guys, Tyreek Sapp, Justice Boone. So I think you look at Cox, Human Meelan to maybe, you know, start – the discussion here, guys that will probably be on the field more so than these other guys, but it is time for a Powell and a Summerall and a Sap for those guys to get on the field a bit more. And this spring is really going to bring it out. If those guys are going to contribute, all right, we need to hear those guys. When we hit the spring game in just a month from now, those are the guys, you know, I think we'll be looking for. I mean, we mostly know what we're going to get out of Brent Cox. And if he's going to improve his game to be a better support in the in, in the run defense, we're not really going to see that in, in the spring game. We're not going to know that answer in the spring game, but that's what he needs to be working on these next four weeks. I mean, you know, this is the this is the spot I'm actually most concerned about when it comes to the when it comes to Florida overall. I mean, you've got Xander's at, at defensive end, but I think he's kind of one of those hybrids between defensive end and defensive tackle. He played quite a bit of defensive tackle um, last year when he was in there. Cox obviously is the rush guy, sort of the buck type of position. We know one of the criticisms of Grantham is that you know that there were a lot of recruiting at Buck and not necessarily everywhere else. You've got Zachary Carter who's leaving six foot four, two eighty five. 
five playing defensive end. And you start looking at guys like Summerall and Powell and Human Milan and Sapp and Boone. And at least from the recruiting profiles, those guys are sitting in the 240, 245, maybe 250 range. And so having that guy who's going to set the edge, I mean, we all remember that LSU game where, uh, you know, they're, they're where they couldn't stop a counter. And some of that is on the defensive line. Some of that is setting the edge. And the reality is, is that they're going to, I mean, one, it'll be interesting to see who really does get bigger this offseason and see if somebody can get into that 265, 270 range to be that true defensive end that you're going to need. Or does Patrick Tony then use that to his advantage where he's got guys all over the place who can drop into coverage? And that's maybe the one thing we haven't seen from these guys other than Brenton Cox. Um, Human Milan and Powell, I think we've seen some exciting Mm-hmm. Uh, flashes in terms of their ability to rush the passer, but that's not all they're going to be asked to do in this scheme. They're going to be asked to drop into coverage. They're going to be asked to allow you know those creepers and simulated pressures we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Dave. These guys are going to have to be able to enable that. And so that's one of the things I think will be interesting to see during the spring game is how how good do these guys do in coverage? Because that's not necessarily something that they've done all that much in the Todd Grantham scheme. Usually if you had your if you had your hand on the ground, you were coming. And then the question was, was there somebody else coming from someplace else? That's not going to be the case in Patrick Tony's defense. So I'm interested to see how these guys do in coverage. And that's probably something we'll be able to pick up during the spring game because I don't I, I suspect they're going to run a lot of the, you know, they're going to have to run that stuff to get everybody ready. So we'll get to see that during the spring game a little bit and sort of understand exactly who's going to fit based on uh, based on what Tony's trying to do. Nick, if I had to ask you a prediction here, and you know, like I said, it has to start right here this spring. What are your thoughts on Brenton Cox? And you know, can he become that you know more well-rounded player and and you know kind of live up to that you know that five-star billing you know that we were so glad to ha ha we got him from Georgia and uh, you know now <laughs> it's it's got to it's got to play out that way. I, he took a step forward last year. He yeah. developed. I, I know there was a. Honestly, if I close my eyes and I think of the first play with Brenton Cox last year, it's the drop back the when the, in, the near interception in the Alabama game that would have been massive is the first thing that flashes to my mind. But there wasn't as many instances in 21 as there were in 20 where he was just sprinting upfield on a pass rush and, the, and, you know, the play goes right by him. That happened a lot in 2020. I felt like he was much more disciplined. It played under control last year. Uh, it's still room to develop. I, I think you guys have painted a great picture here. Just hasn't quite put it all together to be that total five-star package that we are hoping to see right out the gate. But, I mean, this is really, if you look at his stats, it's following a pretty normal trajectory of a good football player. And this is a guy who is going to get drafted if he stays healthy. So this is a guy that's consistently one of the best athletes on the field. It's it's a similar story at defensive end to defensive tackle, though, isn't it? It's it's the one known quantity plus a lot of question marks mm-hmm. beyond that. And I, I look at the situation where you saw Chris Bogle go to Michigan State and Summerall was in the portal at one mm-hmm. point. He withdrew his name. Why isn't Bogle here? Why did he like? I I don't like. I, this would be a great opportunity for someone else to step in here and get some blank time. Uh, I'm I'm with Will too. I'm not sure these guys were recruited for a specific scheme. I'm, I'm interested to see what the fit's going to be. There's certainly some freak athletes in this mix that can can uh, cause some pressure and, and and create interesting matchups uh, for for Patrick Tony there, but. Unlike the defensive tackle position, the biggest difference here, I don't see the two signings getting much playing time th- uh, this next year. I, I don't see Pyburn or uh, Andrew Savigny. I, I'm sorry, I know I'm butchering that name. I had that down when I said it. 
uh, for stand up and holler, but I butchered it there. But I, I think I don't see those guys getting in the mix as much this year because I do think there is plenty of talent there. It's just a matter of who who we're going to see actually get those reps. Yeah, I agree. I think this spring, the guys we listed that the guys are going through spring, I think that puts them well ahead of those guys that you mentioned as well. So I, I, I don't, uh, as you said, I think it's names we haven't necessarily got to say. As you said, it's one proven guy and a bunch of right now just names. But I do think enough experience and then experience in, in Tony's uh, defense this spring, I think definitely puts those a uh, gap ahead of the true freshmen that will be coming in uh, in the fall. But look, I mean, look. I think now when we move forward to linebacker a bit too, as we said, when you re- the way Todd Grantham recruited him, I mean, look, DeJuan Black was also a guy, okay, where's he going to fit? Is he going to be a bug? Is he going to be linebacker? Is he going to be uh, a nickel star? He had that profile. You didn't really know where you were going to stick him uh, all too often. Your chief Borders is now somebody who also kind of maybe been practicing at that outside linebacker spot when, you know, when spring practice uh, kicks off. So some of these guys can be interchangeable in the, the buck outside linebacker, whatever they're going to ask them to do kind of type. And some of these guys will be interchangeable from that rush defensive end slash outside linebacker buck. You know, so some of these guys that went now as we turn the page to linebacker, you kind of throw their name into that mix as well. But the big story here, uh, Ventrell Miller coming back, he's, more than likely going to have one spot locked up at the linebacker position. Uh, and, you know, you could tell Florida missed him a lot. Well, Florida missed him, his physicality a lot last year. Florida missed his leadership a lot last year as well uh, when things were going pretty bad on defense, especially when we saw LSU and South Carolina run up and down the field on Florida. Ventrell Miller, look, while not the superstar, was definitely missed in this Gator defense last year. Amari Burning comes back for one more season. I think we'd like to see, you know, maybe some of the younger guys surpass him. Look, we don't know, though. In the new defense, maybe they're going to lock something. He's going to be a contributor. He's going to be a player on this defense. He's coming back. Uh, he'll he'll contribute, but you would love to see a DeWan Black. Derek Wingo, those are the two names that we're looking at right here at linebacker that when Vitro Miller's on the field – he needs to be beside a Derek Wingo. He needs to be beside a DeWan Black. And it looks like you know maybe DeWan Black uh, gets that start at the other linebacker position in, in a lot of these two linebacker sets here uh, for Patrick Tony. But I think it's interchangeable right now. This spring is going to be very important for Derek Wingo, DeWan Black, for those two guys to separate themselves from the other and be lining up there uh, with Ventro Miller and his leadership. He, he'll be able to, even in this new defense, be able to, I think, help and guide those guys uh, through. But I think we have to remember, Derek Wingo didn't really play linebacker in high school it was going to be a transition time for him DeWan Black as I said you could play this guy at two other positions on the defense right now looks like he has finally found his little spot there at the linebacker position so I think Florida look at the recruiting profile here and we brought it up what a little over a month ago when Bill Sykes was on the episode Will that this is the highest recruited position for Florida when you look at who they've recruited the star ranking and average them all together this is the deepest position on the roster so, Nick, I'll throw it to you, man. I mean, DeWan Black, Derek Wingo, I think there's a lot of excitement to line up right there beside Ventro Miller. Yeah, again, poten- we're, but we're similar theme here, right? We're talking about potential. potential. We yep. haven't actually seen it. It's potential. Wingo is a guy that just seems like he I, – I, I thought he was a surefire prospect when he came in, and he gets his time to develop. Yeah, I will made a good point when we were talking about the defensive tackles. Like some of these guys, because there's holes in the defense, we're expecting there's a lot of pressure on some of these guys to step in and fill roles immediately. And and really, you're talking about Wingo's just a rising junior. And in some part of me, I'm like, well, he's been it's been a little disappointing the first couple of years just because we've needed him so badly. 
and he hasn't been quite ready to fill that spot. But I look at it and go, well, the guy, give the guy time. The guy actually deserves time to develop and everything else. And I, I think this is a good year for him to shine for sure. I, I definitely think one of the most important moves of the offseason was Ventura Miller coming back, though. You mentioned that LSU and South Carolina game. I don't think South Carolina happens if Ventura Miller's on the field. And I, I'm saying this is not the biggest Ventral Miller fan. I think he's a good player. You saw that game against Ole Miss a couple years ago where he had 15 tackles. He can light a team up when he's playing well. But I've watched that. I've seen the all 22 of the Alabama game in the SEC championship game a couple years ago. It wasn't one that if you're yeah. Ventral Miller, you're going to want a lot of NFL scouts to watch. He got pushed around. He got beat up pretty good in that game. So it's not that he's that end-all world beater of a linebacker. But that veteran leadership, the guy who's going to know where to be and where to have the defense, I think that's going to be massive for some guys. Like you go back to Dewan Black, Wingo, Borders, Scooby Williams, all these names, Shamar James coming in. All these names need that guy to look to. And I think you got a lot of young talent paired with a veteran that's going to be keeping them in check. I, I do. I like the mix here, and, and I'm anxious to see how it develops as the season goes. Yeah, well, I'm interested to see the combinations, too. I mean, you can easily have Black and Wingo on the field at the same time. It could be, mm. uh, you know, it could be Chief Borders uh, and, and, and DeJuan Black, Ventro Miller and, you know, Derek Wingo. I mean, I think that's uh, what you see with this group. There's, there's some, some good combinations here that I think it, you may have a starter, quote-unquote starter, but there's going to be some other guys who play a good bit as well. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to because you only got seven guys on this list. And, you know, for the most part, I, I think as, I, as I've gone, as we've gone through the defensive line and now the linebackers, really where I'm at is, is sort of that we're going to see a lot of dime. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of, there's going to yep. be a lot of situations where we got a lot of defensive backs out there for two reasons. One is the game is definitely moving towards more of a pass happy game and you need more defensive backs out there Two, I think that allows you to do some of the things that Tony wants to do in terms of bringing pressure from wherever you want to bring it. And then third, I think we're really sort of talking about personnel limitations at each of the levels thus far. And when we get to the defensive backs, that probably won't be an issue um, when we, when we start talking through there. So, I think the key name on here, and I know Gators fans might not think it's, uh, it might not be popular. I think the key key name here is Amari Bernie. I mean, oh, and, and I well, think I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> well, I, I just think back to 2019 when he when he really started playing significantly, and we all thought he was going to be awesome from the standpoint of he could do things in coverage that a safety could do, that if he could get a little bit bigger, stick his head in, and really be you know, at least just adequate in the run game, that he was going to be a really effective linebacker. And that's just not materialized, right? The tackling in space has been an issue. I mean, it hasn't looked like he's played with a lot of confidence. It hasn't really looked like he 
he really grasped the Grantham scheme real well. And I think one of the things we've seen with Patrick Tony and some of the podcasts we've listened to and some of the things on YouTube is that he does seem to be a very effective teacher. And so the question I have is, can you speed up Amari Bernie? Because it seems like he's been slow the last couple of mm-hmm. years on the field in comparison a, to what he's a fast player. You go back to the recruiting part. He is a fast player or supposed to be a fast player. Yeah. Well, and again, I think a lot of that goes back to not necessarily oh. trusting that you're doing the right thing, not being in the, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned some of these guys who weren't necessarily linebackers to start with. That certainly fits Bernie as well. Yeah. Right. And so now you're going to be bringing him in. And I think he's the key. Cause you know, we've, we talked about the defensive line where you got one guy coming back or, or a defensive tackle where you got one guy coming back and then it's just, sort of we don't know who's going to be able to step up behind that you think about you know defensive end it's the same thing Eric Cox coming back and we don't know about the other guys who are out there and at linebacker you got a little bit more that you know right we know what we're going to get from Ventrell Miller I think to your point Nick we're not necessarily going to see him become a second round NFL draft pick he's probably going to be a low round draft pick or an undrafted free agent regardless of what happens this year I think I look at a guy like Bernie and say he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been drafted this year but he has the he has the skills I think to be able to do it just hasn't necessarily been able to show that within the scheme that he was in and then Wingo I think showed some flashes when he got on the field last year especially towards the end of the year so at least got some experience so I think we have an idea of what we have with Wingo and obviously that was next to Tyron Hopper and I wish Hopper was still there you know you talked about Bogle leaving Hopper's Hopper's in that list too of people that would be nice to have in, in that defense as well. And, we, we, I before, my, I go, and before I go, Diabate, another name, I was going to go to, to those guys that left as well. I mean, this opened the door for you know DeJuan Black yeah. and, and, and Derek Wiener to get on the field more. Yeah. But again, I mean, I, I go back to that LSU game and I go, are we really pining over anybody mm-hmm. who was on the field during that game at either the, at either the defensive line or the linebacker position? And, and that, I think, is really the rub when we look at all of this stuff is Florida was awful against the run last year. And so if we're taking guys out and putting new guys in, the worst they can do is be awful against the run again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I think we're Did know. Patrick Tony study the counterplay? <laughs> I, I bet you he'll have I bet you he'll have some some plans to be able to take that away. But uh you know, the, Florida finished eighty fifth against FBS in yards per rush last year. They were eighteenth in yards per attempt. When it, so able to t- shut down the pass, not able to shut down the run. So if you think about where these guys need to be successful and where we need to see a real step up, it's actually not in coverage. You can probably deal with the linebackers giving up something to running backs every once in a while in coverage. It's that they were really bad in the run in run fits last year. And so those will be the things I think you need to look at in the spring game is how often do Florida's running are Florida's running backs able to find a gap and and find their way up the field versus how often are the linebackers able to fill those holes. We'll see. I'm really interested to understand exactly how these linebackers will be able to do that. But that's why I think Bernie and Miller become more important, not just because of you know their experience and all that sort of stuff, but because they are more guys that you would expect, especially Miller, to be able to get his hat in there and actually stop the run. And that's where Florida absolutely got torched last year. So uh, I'm going to contact Florida's media department and say, hey, get, let's start the spring game with a fan vote for the first play ran, and I want to say put the counterplay in there. <laughs> Let's all vote for the counterplay to see what this, how this defense reacts. <laughs> and, the, and we'll have our answer right away of how this defense is going to be. But, no, that, uh, man, yeah. Um, the, yeah. Just thank God Todd Grant is going, by the way. Um, I'll just harp on that one more time. 
But well, let me uh, let me let me ask you both. Will you talked about the scheme? Like how how much we even heard players after a few games last year allude to the fact that they're not being put in the right places, right? I think Diabate was someone who was pretty vocal toward the end of the year mentioning that. How much of it is the fact that we're cleaning up a scheme that may have been too much to process for some of these guys where either it's too much, the, the playbook's too thick or Grantham's not adjusting or a little bit of both. How much of that adjustment alone is going to fix some of the problems we've seen with the defense the last couple of years? So last year, I don't think it was scheme. I think it was want to like when, when you get gashed by a counter over and over and over and over and over again, when you can't stop Samford, that that's want to, and you know, you can talk about, Oh, we weren't in the right position. And, oh, it wasn't taught right. And Oh, they didn't make the adjustments, all that sort of stuff. But at some point you just got blown up by a guard and, and you know, when you're there, you got to take that guard on head on. You got to knock him backwards and you got to give your teammates the opportunity to come in and make the tackle. And how often did we see gang tackling last year on the defensive side of the ball where a guy got held up and three or four other guys found their way over? I think those are the things that you're going to look for early on is, you know, yeah, maybe there will be some guys who are less talented than Tyron Hopper and, and Diabate. But are we going to get the when there's when there's an opportunity, when that guard comes around on the counter and you have to take him onto the hole to make the running back stop or cut or adjust or give your defensive end time to catch up? Are you going to be able to stop it? Are you going to do that? Same thing with the defensive end position. I mean, you know, we, we, the the sacks are nice for Cox, but I think there have been multiple instances. The A and M game a couple of years ago is the one that really jumps to mind, where you know you're coming too fast off the edge and you're able to run in behind it, and essentially you run yourself out of the running play because of that. Same type of thing. I don't know that that's necessary. I mean, I can't imagine they're not coaching it. Maybe they're not coaching it right, but I can't imagine they're not coaching it. So, and and look, I'm not I'm not absolving Grantham. Of, of issues. I mean, he's in charge, right? He's got to make sure that people are, are incentivized. He's got to make sure people have the, uh, you know, the, the training and the, and the teaching and all that stuff that's necessary to execute. But you know, th there is, there is culpability on both sides, right? When there's a divorce like this. And I, I think it's, I think it's unwise to just say, well, Todd Grantham's gone. Everything's going to get better. But I do think that it's probably, um, I mean, it can't hurt. I guess. <laughs> so, well, Dave, I course. guess part of what extended, I was alluding to that thought, though, to Will, but yeah, Nick, before you extend yeah. that thought, yeah, I also think the the lack of physicality came from the top down. I mean, I, I think we knew Dan Mullen didn't really stress physicality. Once that twenty twenty season hit and the COVID season hit, they basically wiped out physicality in practice, and I think that bled over into the team. And I don't think they ever really got it back, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it was a mentality that it was instilled from the top down, and they never got it back, and it really, really showed at the linebacker position itself over and over again. Well, we, we didn't see it as much in 21 as we did in 20, but just the amount of blown coverages yeah. in 2020 that were wide. Like, I, I guess that's where I looked at it from a scheme perspective. Like last year, they did seem to clean that up a little bit last year, but you had some guys with some more experience too back there. But I, I man, I, I'd love to see you mentioned playing fast this year. Will that's the biggest change you'd like to see out of this defense is just a fast physical effort every single week. Yeah, they, they cleaned up the defensive backs pretty or the, the defensive backfield pretty well last year. I, I think, you know, 18th against the pass yards per attempt. They were 39th overall in yards per play, but 85th against the run. Um, that's the place that you're going to make hay. I, I think the defensive backfield. Now, obviously, you're losing. Well, we'll get there. But uh, I, I think that's um, 
when when you think about where the defense really struggled, it was physicality at the line of scrimmage. And then the idea that, look, I, again, I, I don't like Grantham schemes. I think they're outdated. I think they have some issues. At the same time, you know, when your defensive line doesn't win, you got to bring linebackers. And when your defensive line and linebackers don't win, you're going to get torched. And so at some point, you just have to win a physical one-on-one battle from time to time. And to your point, Dave, you know, the the ability to win that one-on-one battle really did not appear to be there in either the 2020 or the 2021 season. And so, you know, look, I, I think there's culpability on both sides, but I think, you know, the reality is, is that change from the top down should help. And, you know, the guys we've cited who've left, they left for a reason. Now, whether that was because they thought they had better playing time someplace else or whether it was because they didn't want to be coached in the way that these guys are going to coach them, you know, time will tell. But again, when you're 85th against the run and you're getting gashed on counters all the time, I'm not weeping that that there are people who decided to leave. Like, wh- what are we like? We're losing some potential with those guys, but it's not as though they were, ter- you know, if we were 13th against the run and we were getting torched in the defensive backfield, I'd be upset the linebackers left. <laughs> but it's the complete opposite. I think it's interesting when you look at the statistics that, you know, I think we saw the potential. We wanted those young guys to play. We're like, hey, they're out there. Good. We're finally starting to see some flashes, but those flashes weren't turning into anything that actually stopped the opposition last year. Yeah, I think we like the promise of Hopper and you know Wingo there in the in the bowl game uh, there versus UCF. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I think Hopper was somebody I was I was ready to see to get developed in, in a new system as well. Uh, but we won't get that chance. So hopefully, it, it is somebody like Dewan Black, Derek Wingo, uh, stepping up to get more play in time there. So, all right, you guys teased it, and plenty, plenty to discuss there in the defensive backfield, and probably the funnest battle. Maybe that number two spot at cornerback because I think we, I think we all probably are just ready to write with a sharpie. Jason Marshall, cornerback one, already taking over for Kyrie his way to the NFL draft, and Jason Marshall just basically stepping up, taking over for him. But then you look on the other side of the field, and you bring in Georgia transfer Jalen Kimber and Jaden Hill coming back from injury. Now, Kimber's coming back from injury as well uh, to his shoulder. Jaden Hill coming back from – he was at practice with a knee brace uh, to, today. He's going to be limited probably somewhat just a little bit as well. Uh, but Avery Helm got a lot of playing time uh, as well uh, last year. Now, I did – you know, some of these guys, you, you just do wonder, even in the new system, they can play corner or they go play safety. Nickel can come into the equation here as well. So, Jadarius Perkins, you know, he played more nickel last year through him in here uh, instead of safety. Kamar Will Coxon will also come back, a young, highly touted uh, recruit, highly touted recruit. He bounces back from injury, hopefully, uh, this year as well. Devin Moore, one of the highest-rated recruits for in Florida's class, early enrollee. He'll be thrown into this battle as well. But Jason Marshall, CB1. But this, I mean, whoever is cornerback two for Florida, I feel pretty confident in saying, hey, look, Florida is going to have – a good CB1 in Jason Marshall, and whoever wins the battle out of Kimber, Hill, Helm, that's your three guys leading uh, into the uh, battle here of that second cornerback spot. I mean, Florida's going to have a good starting duo back there in the secondary, and I think we can sit here and say and look at these names too. They're going to have some good depth back here too. So when Florida goes nickel, Mm -hmm. Florida goes dime, I like the potential. I mean, potential is a scary word. We keep throwing it around here all night long. But I think from what we've seen here so far, these guys have been on the field. They've produced. 
I think we like. Well, I think I think we can feel pretty comfortable in CB one, CB two, CB three, CB four for Florida when they hit the field. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those where you look at it and again say, where did we have experience? <laughs> Certainly not on the defensive line. A little bit more at linebacker. This is where I look at go. Look, Jadon Hill's played significant snaps. Perkins significant snaps. Helm significant snaps. Will Coxon, you know, a little bit. Marshall significant snaps. So then you look at Kimber Young and Moore, and those are the guys who are sort of working their way in. Kimber has the pedigree. Didn't really play that much at Georgia. I think he was going to be a starter last year until uh, until he was injured, but. Um, you know, so you got a guy who was, who was competing for a starting job on the best defense in the country. Yeah. And then you've got these other guys who've got a bunch of experience. And then you've got Marshall who not only has the pedigree, but also had a pretty good year last year. So yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, the idea is he's going to slide over into that Kyrie Elam role, just shut down one side of the field. And then you're going to have these other guys who can, who can slide in on the other side. I, I think, you know, I think we forget how good Jadon Hill was a couple years ago because yeah. the defense was so bad. Um, but there were other issues on the defensive backfield that weren't necessarily the starting quarterbacks or cornerbacks. So I, I like Jadon Hill a lot. I really, I really thought he was somebody who should have gotten more playing time back in 2020. And, uh, you know, unfortunately had the injury last year. So I'm really looking forward to it. I know Helm struggled a little bit last year, especially early in the year, but uh, started to get better throughout the year. And I, I, yep. Well, and I already cited it, right? I mean, they were 18th in yards per attempt last year and in yards per attempt surrender that's significant when you start thinking about okay where where are they going to be able to excel and you know one of the places they were able to excel last year was through the air now Kyrie Elam's big you know he's gonna be a first round corner so it's not as though those are small shoes to fill um and with Elam and Marshall out there I think you probably had a better cornerback tandem than Marshall and anybody else you're going to have out there this year so that is something to take yeah. into account but there's a lot of experience here, a lot of people who know what good quarterback play looks like. And it's not as though Elam was 100% last year for a lot of the season. And so these guys got a lot of playing time, a lot of reps. And I think um, you know, th this is going to be one of those things where we look at this unit and say this is the strength. And this is also a place where Florida can suffer an injury and still survive. And some of the places we've been in before, some of these uh, these position groupings we've gone through, that's maybe my biggest concern is, you know, Gervon Dexter goes down with an injury. What in the world is happening at defensive tackle, right? Yeah. Brenton Cox goes down with an injury. What are we doing on the defensive line? Um, Ventrell Miller goes down again with an injury. We saw last year what happened when he went down with an injury in terms of leadership and just being able to stand up against the running game. I think this is a position in safety when we get to it as a position where, where Florida would be able to maintain itself through an injury. And that kind of depth is important when it's also the strength of your defense. Nick, man, what, what did I do to myself? I, I buried the lead here. I noticed all these names and I buried the, Hey, these big names here, they're going to be coached by Corey Raymond coming in from LSU. On top of the experience. So, yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, the safeties, we got some nice safeties coming in, too, uh, to, to back up a strong cornerback room, too. So, you really – the secondary is a spot, like we said uh, a few minutes ago, total vulnerability in 2020 has now become the, the – thing you look at and you feel the best about going into the into this season um marshall really stepped in admirably last year it's always tough to come in as a true freshman not only to start but to hold your own against sec play i, th I thought he had a nice season you didn't hear too much negativity around him uh in, in terms of he wasn't getting beat not a lot of dumb mistakes for a young kid or anything like that just 
was steady, steady performer the whole year. I, I like to think that Kimber is going to be that guy that steps in and starts with him. That was a huge get in the transfer portal by Billy Napier. But like Will said, the difference between corner, this isn't the one guy in the bunch of question marks like we talked about the other positions. It, this is, even though some of these guys, Hill got injured, Perkins, uh, okay at times last year, not not so good at times last year. Helm had some solid moments. We haven't seen a ton from Pouncey yet, but they've at least been on the field, and we've seen a little bit from a lot of these guys to, to the point where you feel pretty solid about the cornerback position heading into 2022. Yeah, I think you're know, throwing in Corey Raymond, throwing in these names. I think the question becomes how good. I think these guys are going to be good. And this is, as we'll get into safety too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of names there that you can throw in uh, to the mix there as well. But I think now, you know, throwing Corey Raymond into the mix, his pedigree uh, with what he did at LSU, I think now the question really just becomes how good these guys are going to be. And look, I ain't, I'm not, I'm not ready to say DBU is back. You know, we, we got to go out there and see that uh, for Florida, but you, you're looking at this to be the first step, the first year that you can come back and say, all right, Florida's, Florida's defensive backfield is back. You know, it's you know they're not DBU yet, but uh, they're on their way back. Because you know that's gonna that Florida, for Florida to get DBU back after what we've seen the last couple of years, we're, we're going to need to see a couple of years of, of of improved defensive back play uh, to start that conversation again. But yeah, I think I think it starts this year, and I think you know Florida takes a big step back uh, to at that cornerback position to, to go along and say that. Well, we'll find not, we'll find out early with that matchup with Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's going to yeah. be throwing the ball around. Yep. Well, if nothing else, I mean, a hallmark of the Grantham defense, and I kind of threw up in my mouth a little bit when I was defending him earlier, but a hallmark of the Grantham defense is that there's always a receiver like wide open two or three times behind the defense. Like that was just a hallmark. I mean, Tennessee happened to miss that last year in those games, right? Hendon Hooker couldn't couldn't make the play, and that's one of the reasons why Florida was able to win. If they eliminate that based on what they were already able to do last year, I'm actually pretty, pretty bullish in terms of what this defense can do, at least from the, from the, against the pass and what they can do there. Just because again, if you can eliminate just the giant mistakes, then I think that, uh, you know, this defense has an opportunity to be pretty good because of the guys they have at corner and the guys we're going to get into at safety. Which, uh, which cornerback jumped up and down the highest saying, yeah, I don't have to blitz all the way from Lake city anymore. <laughs> they're, they're still going to blitz. They just won't send them both at the same time with when they only have one deep safety. <laughs> uh, hey, look, and, you know, we're, I think we are interested in seeing how you know Tony Raymond together. How, how much does defense changes? How much more does Florida play press man? How you know? Hopefully, we don't see it's third and four and the DBs are eight yards off. You know, <laughs> those are things. Hopefully, in the spring we see a little more aggressive aggressiveness in the in the in, in the in the DBs and the cornerbacks and uh, playing more man press. Because I mean, look, we we talk about these names here. These are athletic guys. You know, these are guys with high recruiting profiles. These are guys who should be able to be when you think of a Florida defensive backfield guys that can go out there and go play man-to-man coverage uh, when they need to. Of course, you know, you don't play man-to-man every play and, and all that, but when you need to go play man, when you need to go man up, when you need to go shut somebody down, that they have the ability to do that. Uh, and, you know, starting – and Will and I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's, uh, for Patrick Tony, it's, it's about the basics first. If you, if you don't get your, your keys, if you don't you have your reads right, if you don't play your, your back pedals right, you know, you're, if, you don't, if you don't do your job, you know, if the coaches will do their job, the coaches will put you in position. We didn't get to see that uh, a lot the last couple of years. 
that's going to change this year. It's going to be more on these players now, hopefully, uh, to, to, to pick up and, and get a hold of this new scheme and get in there and make a difference uh, with the transition to this new Patrick Tony defense. So, all right, cornerback right there, safety right here. Trey Dean comes back, uh, will be a big cog back there uh, in the secondary. Now, I think you you probably come back, spring practice starts, Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance, you probably pencil in uh, as the starters there at safety. But I don't you know, maybe have that eraser handy just a little bit. Uh, I think those are your starters, and I think those are your starters through spring and, and going into fall camp too. But I wouldn't count out a, a Mordecai McDaniel who got to play uh, a some last year, Donovan McMillan who has you know just great size potential there for safety. Uh, I think to become a a, a pretty good uh, player back there. Kamari Wilson, one of the other rollies, the, the highest rated player in Florida's class, uh, coming in being a part of this. Uh, does uh, sa- safety rotation that I, I think he can. There's some names here. You know, throw in Corey Collier as well, of, of somebody, a highly recruited guy we didn't hear much about so far in his early career. But Kamari Wilson is somebody I think who can show up on campus, going there and make an immediate impact as an early enrollee. I think you know safety is a, a position I think that can happen. Uh, but I do think right now uh, I'll pencil in trading, I'll pencil in Rashad Torrance. Uh, but I think there are some openings there. Uh, from the play we've saw last year, you know, in dealing with those guys, uh, that you know, a, a guy like Mordecai McDaniel, uh, Donovan McMillan, and even a, a young Kamari Wilson can come in and maybe uh, make a uh, impact there, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will say, I was going through. I was looking at you mentioned Rashad Torrance. I was looking through his stats earlier. I, I was a little caught off guard. He had eighty-seven tackles last year. Yeah, 87 tackles. Didn't realize he was that active. And and also to go with uh, three interceptions last year as well. I knew he, he's a guy that flies around. You hear his name a lot, make a lot of plays, but 87 tackles. Woof. So you got a, a, a solid playmaker right there. Um, Trey Dean, uh, I'm not going to get too heavy into that. Like, we've seen we've seen Trey Dean. Uh, it's going to be good to have some experience in some sense, but I'm, I'm hoping that Trey Dean can get supplanted by some of these young guys coming in. You talk about Wilson having a shot. Uh, Trevez Johnson flashed a couple times last year. We saw him. He, he could come up and make a hit on a couple times. It, we, uh, some of those screens, he would he would uh, fly up and make a big hit, not afraid to hit somebody. McDaniel, I, I liked his game from what I saw last year. Got, didn't see him a ton, but – you know, limited action here and there. Got to, I, he, he seemed to stand out a little bit too. Uh, I'd like to see a little more of Corey Collier this year, though, Dave. I'd like to see a little more of Corey Collier this year. But again, this is a position you look at the potential. You mentioned I'm not even talking about Mc, <laughs> McMillan, the Kamari Wilson. Man, there's this the, the lot the level of depth to the safety position, the safety room is going to be extremely competitive to get on the field. Wouldn't surprise me to see uh, a transfer or two out of this room mm-hmm. uh, before it's all said and done before fall camp opens. Well, I mean, this is a position that defensive coordinator Patrick Tony is going to baby. This is his baby. This is his position group that he that he'll lay his hands on uh, when when you start looking at this new defense. So uh, that's going to be a big part in this. I think you know these guys will be coached up uh, by by their defensive coordinator who is going to be in uh, these meeting rooms uh, with, with these guys and really coaching this position. So you can best bet. The winners out of this job, and if it is a trading and, and Rashad Torrance again, then good for those guys. They've they've earned it in a in a coach that's really going to have his eyeballs on this position and coaching this position. 
Yeah, I mean, again, you look at who was actually out on the field last year. Trey Dean, you know, you mentioned Torrance having 87 tackles. Dean had 88 tackles and eight passes defensed. Now, you know, obviously that uh, – It was more run support for Trey Dean where I, you know, would the, go into question of like what can what more can we get out of Trey Dean? Oh, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I, I don't think that we're going to look back and go, oh, look, he's he's winning postseason awards or anything like that. But he was on the field a lot. Yeah. And that's actually something that I don't necessarily think back to last year and go, oh, yeah, Trey Deed was the second leading tackler behind Diabate. Like, that's just not – like I would have guessed that Torrance was up there. I would have actually guessed that Trevez Johnson was closer to there. And Tr- Johnson only had 23 tackles last year. And then you go down, McMillan actually had 10 tackles. So he was on the field more than I thought he was last year. And I, I think, um, you know, so you look at that, you got five guys who have real experience out there on the field. You've got, uh, you know, the, the Dean Torrance Johnson and, uh, and Mordecai McDaniel got real experience out there and significant mm-hmm. experience. So again, this is a place where you can suffer an injury. It's also a place where Kamari Wilson can work his way in, you know, look, I mean, whether he's a high four star or, or, or a low five star, doesn't really matter when you've got a guy who's recruited in that top 50, that guy has to contribute. So, you know, to have him redshirt or have him not play or, or have him sort of sit out and learn. No, you bring in a guy with that kind of pedigree. He's got to play. He's got to play early and he's got to get out there early. And so I'm actually expecting to see a lot from Kamari Wilson as well. Um, you know, guys like Collier, we don't really know. McMillan yeah. hasn't had a ton of time though. Like I said, he did get out there a little bit, seems to have the right size to be able to help out, especially in the running game. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, like you said, this is Tony's baby, which means, you know, you think about the discipline that Billy Napier talked about his team needing and you suspect that Tony's going to demand well when it comes to the safety position he's going to demand it more than he would anywhere else because that's where he's teaching and so you know a guy like Dean might be you know if you think of him as sort of being like "Eh, he's a below average safety maybe is kind of where I think most people sit there and think well how much do you need to improve how much can Tony improve him to get him to a place where he's average or above average and if you get above average play in places where you're getting below average play and you get a guy like um, Rashad Torrance to take a leap well now all of a sudden you've got a pair of safeties out there who are playing significantly above average and you're going to have a defense that's able to prevent some of those big plays we talked about with uh, with with Grantham's scheme so I, I'm I'm very bullish on the safety room I actually think Dean's going to be better than people think um, I think Torrance is a really really good player and I think when you've got Johnson and then you've got McDaniel and McMillan that you can rotate in it's going to be tough for Kamari Wilson to find his way into this rotation but I think one of the things you know you talk about trusting your evaluations and going after the guys that that fit your system and all that sort of stuff when you bring in a guy who's a five-star candidate that guy has to contribute so i'm interesting i'm interested to see how long it takes before he finds his way out there on the field especially since he's an early enrollee and we talked about the struggles and hopefully you know the defensive line and the linebackers are better and we don't have to ask these safeties to come play in the box as much as they had to last year and they don't have to make these tackles in, in run defense look of course there's going to be times where they're just going to have to and you hope to see improvement on that last year but hopefully they're not going to be asked to do that a whole lot uh, because Florida is getting penetration up front the linebackers are in their spots and they can beat their guys in front of them so hopefully you know not many running plays get to the safeties as we saw it last year that that'll be a big improvement in and of itself Utah and Kentucky right out the gate. Right, we'll find out we'll get our answer pretty quick what we need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will get our answer pretty quick. Um, uh, you know, the, the other thing, and, and I think this is more of a holistic sort of overview, but when you look at Florida, they were 82nd in yards per play allowed in 2020. They were awful. 
they weren't awful last year. They were 39th in yards per play. They were bad in, against the rush, but they weren't they weren't bad against the pass. So you typically don't see teams go from you know 80, 90, 100 to like top 10. But what you do see is you see teams go from you know 80 or 90 to 40 to 25 to 10, something like that. Those are usually the progressions. And so the idea that Tony's going to come in and 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 make this defense elite right away, I think is probably a little bit misguided, except for they were just there were times that they were frustrating. But overall, when you look at the whole uh, the whole sort of, you know, the whole season and look at what they were able to put together, this was not a terrible defense. Now, the systemic problems that Todd Grantham fired, I think, are hopefully going to go away. And so then I look at that and go, all right, could they go from 39th in yards per play to like 18th? And if they got a top 20 defense, this team's going to win a lot of games. And maybe they won't win against Georgia. Maybe they won't win against A&M. But that's a team that's going to give Utah a heck of a battle in the opening game. That's a team that won't lose to Kentucky. It's a team that won't lose to Missouri. Um, you know, So it, you don't have to take a giant step. There doesn't have to be like the step change improvement at every position in order to see a defense that's going to be competitive. I think that's the place where I sort of have some hope for this defense in particular. I think we've, we sort of talked and, and nitpicked, and maybe not nitpicked, but pointed out the holes and pointed out depth issues and pointed out all those sorts of things. But when you look at it holistically, they don't have a long way to go from where they were last year to where they need to go this year to really be a really good unit. Whether they can get to a lead or not is a completely different story, but I think they could be a really good unit. I think they can absolutely be a top 20 or a top 25 defense. And if that's the case, then I think we're going to be pretty happy with the way the team looks this year as a, you know, especially when they're playing sort of the lesser teams in the SEC East, those won't be close games where, you know, we're worried about whether they're going to win, at least not because of the defensive side of the ball. We'll see what happens on the offense side of the ball but I think the defense is going to be able to actually carry its weight which should be good for both team morale and sort of fan morale as well right that we'll see the progress on the defensive side of the ball and actually know that we can get a stop every once in a while and then uh and then you know I'm sure that 2020 and even sometimes last year the uh, the offense sort of looked over the defense and said come on guys like can you can you get off the field? Like, can you not make a score 40 points? Like all that sort of stuff. Like if I was Anthony Richardson, I would have been really frustrated in that LSU game. Just every time you drive down the field to tie it up, oh, here they come again, three counters and score. And, uh, but the problem yeah, so with 21 I, is you had those moments with the, you had the, the, the Kentucky game where it was the opposite. The defense played pretty well. They, they couldn't get in sync at any point. It felt like, yeah, well, and and again, I think that sort of goes back to the toughness and the organization and all that sort of stuff, and and so I'm encouraged. I guess that's that's sort of the takeaway holistically at a large level is this is not a defense that was a hundredth last year. I think it feels like it, right? My recollection of the 2021 yeah. season is that Todd Grantham absolutely deserved to be fired, but I think one of the reasons we thought he deserved to be let go is because we were taking the 2020 debacle and the sort of weird collapses in 2021 all in you know taking that all as one big thing and sort of rolled those two seasons into one the 2021 defense was better than the 2020 defense and it wasn't close which means that if they can see consistent improvement this year the 2022 defense could be really good but the reason the reason we still felt terrible about 2021 is because when they were good they were really good but when they were bad, they were just really bad. You, you, LSU, South Carolina, Samford, uh, the, the Bulgari, UCF. The start, the, I, the start of the Alabama game? Where you yeah, just, the first yeah. three. 
they they did get together in that stretch, and you felt like yeah. they played to their potential for a stretch of that at least. But uh, there was just some moments of pure awfulness throughout the 2021 season that you hope they cut back on that. I think for this year, I'm bracing for a gut punch in September. I, I think the schedule, we don't have that warm-up type of, of stretch to get into SEC play or anything. So I, I, I would hesitate – my big message with the defense this year is whatever we see early, reserve judgment, and I think you're going to see this thing improve as it goes along. And, and we got a tough stretch in October. Don't get me wrong. It's not like the schedule eases up in October or November, but I think you will see improvement from a defense that has a lot of guys stepping into. You know, We're asking a lot of guys to step up into those roles where they're the playmakers now that weren't necessarily doing it the past couple of years here. So I, I think you'll see some mistakes early and I, and I'm hoping to see them get coached up and uh, improve as the season goes along. Uh, I'm enjoying this because, because Nick was like all sunshines and ra- sunshine and rainbows last year before the season started. Well, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, now the roles have reversed. I'm the one, I'm the one pumping the sunshine and he's the one going, all right, hold your horses. Like we'll see all what right, happens. So- so there we go, because I so I talked about this on Gators Breakdown Plus last week. I put the Twitter poll up last week. Will, I think we got your answer, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you confirm if this is your answer or not, and then, Nick, you can jump in too. So spring practice, it's here. Which side of the ball do you feel better about as spring practice starts, offense or defense? Uh, you out there at a 1,500 votes on Twitter, 58% of you said you feel better about the defense. Hmm. That's a really good question. If I knew Anthony Richardson was going to be healthy, I'd tell you I feel better about the offense. Okay, assume Anthony Richardson starts. So there, there. I feel little... better about the offense. I think <laughs> the offense could put up thirty-five points a game if Anthony Richardson's the starting hey. quarterback. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree because I think that high-end potential is there for the offense. I'm not sure. I think we have the tools to be a good defense. I'm not sure. I see this being an elite defense. Like the offense could potentially be elite. Yeah. It lays on, you know, Anthony Richardson's health and and reaching that potential. Uh, there, well, he's so. not doing backflips anymore. Nick, uh, yeah. Nick is convinced that backflips are bad for his health, and I'm very disappointed because I'm. It's out of love. Like, that was that was the highlight of my day last year when he would when he was going through health issues. He'd do a backflip. I'm like, yes, he's gonna play. And then we just see him sitting on the sideline, not going in the game, and Listen, the whole man, time I'd just be fuming. There's a point in life where you know you're playing company softball and you pull your hamstring every single time you run to first base, <laughs> where you just gotta look in the mirror and say, "Gotta slow some things down." And that's what if Anthony Richardson, if you're getting injured doing TikTok dances, you know maybe yeah. lay off the backflips. That's all. <laughs> uh, I asked that same Twitter uh, or I asked that same poll on YouTube as well. I had a 400 votes. It was even higher, 64 percent. So they feel better about the defense than the offense. And of course, I didn't <laughs> put the. Um, Anthony Richardson parameter in there. Most, but I know most people still think that he's going to start, and they'll kind of put that out there too. So Gator Nation pretty much feels better about the defense than the offense heading into spring. So interesting uh, uh, turnout. <laughs> that that is directly tied to the uh, to the guy calling the plays. Yes, it really is. It's uh, I mean, that's they, they've recruited well on the defensive side of the ball, and I think when you look at it as a whole, so I think a lot of us feel if you're picking the offense, you're picking the offense because of Anthony Richardson. If you're picking the defense, I think you're picking uh, – there's the better 11 are on the field. Now, I, I brought this up on Gators Breakdown Plus last week. We probably – we could we say because of the transfers, mainly Osiris Torrance, and the experience on the offensive line, could you actually feel better about the offensive line than the defensive line? 
No. No? Okay. That we we talked about it last week. Right tackle is a giant hole that I don't know how they're gonna how they're gonna fit right now. And yeah. maybe maybe Josh Braun ends up being that guy. Maybe Michael Tarquin becomes that guy. But as of right now, right tackle has been a area of consternation. Right guard's been an area of consternation. I know Torrance has a has a has a good profile and has been an effective player in Napier's schemes. But I feel like we were saying the same thing about Stuart Reese two years ago, right? He knows Dan Mullen's offense. He's going to slide right in the guard. It'll be no problem at all. And then all of a sudden, I'm saying Stuart Reese had the NFL draft profile. One well, I would agree with that. But but all the, all the same arguments. <laughs> right, right. Making, oh, he's think, a guard. He knows Mullen's system. Like yep. he'll just slide right in. It'll be plug and play. Yep. And it turns out the continuity matters on the offensive line. And you know, there's not a lot of continuity here when it comes to bringing in these guys to plug holes. And so if Cameron Waits is playing right tackle i don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing but uh that to me that right side of the offensive line that has been um much maligned and was better last year but was not great i think is something that we we need to see or i'm going to need to see before i say the offensive line's better than the defensive line not total, just uh, so just total go speculation on both sides total speculation on both sides and, th- and then to decide which one you feel better about i i have no idea is the real answer to that question <laughs> yeah i lean offensive line um torrance just say torrance lives up to his potential dexter leaves at his potential i say okay cancel those cancel those two out as we said before i don't know who's playing with dexter or behind dexter so in that left side of the offensive line i can sit go garage white awakening at center I feel better about that little grouping than I do any defensive line grouping. So mm-hmm. if I had to pick, I'd probably, I'd probably lean offensive line. So for the probably first time in for in, in quite some time, uh, I, I can say I feel better about the offensive line. The, the, the trenches on the offensive side of the ball than I do the defensive side. Of the ball. Was that a positive statement about the offensive line or a negative statement about the defensive line? <sighs> yes, probably more. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, probably. Uh, and that's where I will agree with Will there. Probably more of an indictment on the defensive line. Right. Like I said, I just – Dexter, that's it. <laughs> I can't – Go show there. me the film. There isn't any. Right. There you go. Dexter and the Dexterettes. That's right. what we'll go. Got to maybe a little better nickname than that. I'll go to work on it. Yeah. So, that's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it there. It's just – I would not saying defensive line can't be good. I just I, I don't know, and I don't know who it's going to be. At least at least on the offensive line, besides Will's point, we know the cast of characters besides right tackle, and we pencil in Braun right there. Everybody else, we kind of just know. All right, good episode, guys. Good roster breakdown the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think so. That gets everybody caught up with you know Florida's roster where they're heading at in, in spring practice. Practice is underway, as I said. I will um, do a first day recap either. I might even do it late tonight. I don't know. Late tonight, uh, do it tomorrow, uh, first thing in the morning. But that will be out there to kind of review spring practice day one. But, guys, I can't thank you enough uh, for a deep dive to the Gators roster right here. Yeah, man, I can't believe it's spring practice already. It's so awesome. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's just so great to be back to normal, to have this normal schedule, to have a – you know, I don't think any of us can guarantee you that Billy Napier's staff is gonna is gonna bring anything more than Jim McElwain's did or Dan Mullins did. But there's hope that he can. And so going into a season where you have hope that things are gonna get better, hope you're gonna be able to compete with Georgia, hope you're gonna be able to compete with Alabama is it's it's refreshing. And I, I don't remember feeling this way when Dan Mullen came in in two thousand eighteen. Um 
and and maybe it's just I don't remember, right? I, I think we all thought he was going to win games. It turns out he did pretty early on, but uh, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember feeling this way. I certainly don't remember feeling this way about Jim McElwain. Um, so you know, hey, maybe it'll be a giant letdown. I hope not. But certainly, if Napier can fulfill the potential of everything people have been saying about him in terms of you know him being able to build relationships and him being able to bring in recruits and all that sort of stuff, I think the scheme is eventually going to follow that. But it's it's uh, it's cool to have hope heading into spring practice and be able to sit here and say, all right, these are the things I'm looking for. These are the things that need to improve. These are the things I'm looking out for. And uh, you know, for for a long for the first time in a long time, nine and three is probably a pretty good year. If if we look at it for Florida football, I think we'd take it if somebody asked us to sign up for nine and three to start. And uh, you know, we're sort of in that build, and the build is always is always a lot of fun. All right, Nick, man, yeah, thanks for uh, hopping on once again, uh, giving these player previews, roster previews, right here. Had a blast, Dave. Always appreciate uh, the invite, and uh, I'll, I'll be on any time you call, man. Anytime right, you call. Sounds- Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, you guys have a anything coming up on the site this week? Yeah, we'll have a stand up and holler episode coming up. Like like Nick said, he's gonna have to make fun of my uh, my singing. So get over there to Read Reaction the YouTube channel. Check out the most recent stand up and holler. You can hear me sing on the end. Mean tweets being read on the episode as as our two bit segment. And uh, there will probably be some stuff. But we got some questions here in the YouTube chat. Everybody, a couple people have asked where can they get a Read Reaction hat. Ah, well, I'll have to figure, I'll have to, uh, I just got this one custom made. I'll have to figure okay. out how to, how to get that to people. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll have an answer next week on, on Gators Breakdown. That's for sure. I can help you. I can help you there. We can, there you go. So, all right, guys, that'll do it. Uh, anything, yeah. Anything else you guys got coming up? Uh, I think I, I think I disrupted you there. No, nah, we're good. We'll have something up there about spring practice, I'm sure. Um, and we've got some exciting things we're, we're going to announce in the next month or two. We're not quite ready to do that yet, but uh, mm-hmm. got some exciting stuff in the works. So the site's been a little bit sparse over the last couple of weeks, but that's because we're working on stuff in the background to make sure we've got high-quality content for everybody coming up here, coming out of spring practice. So we're excited about the things we're building, and uh, hopefully everybody else will be too. I got a sneak little preview, so yeah, it, it, it's good stuff, people. So uh, be, be, on, be on the lookout for that. So, all right, for Will, for Nick, I am David Waters, host of Gators Breakdown. Find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>